The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. All right. Amen. It's good to see everyone this morning. And uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to get there in just a moment. Uh, Today begins the first Sunday of what historically is called the the Advent season, uh, anticipating the arrival, the birth of Christ. I know that happened a long time ago, but every year, this time of year, the church typically not you know not always, but typically uh, reminds ourselves of what all God did for us in the birth of the Lord uh, and Savior Jesus Christ in this Advent season. And so I would encourage all of you, whatever you do during this time of year, make an effort, be intentional to uh, whether it's a devotional through reading the passage of the birth of Christ. Just take open your Bible and, and be reminded of that. Be intentional in that in this season. And, uh, and let, me, let me say this, just a word of announcement, December the 10th, I hope you'll be here with us uh, as we present uh, Christmas at Flint Hill, as we praise our Lord and Savior through all kinds of worship. Um, so thankful last week, and uh, all of you who prayed and invited friends and family to join us, uh, if anything, God just, just showed us clearly that when we intentionally invite people and go after and prayerfully invite people to come, you know what will happen? God will move on their heart to come. And it's pretty amazing what the Lord's uh, doing with that. So I invite all of you to join us at Christmas of Flint Hill coming up. I'm very excited. I can't say that. That's probably an understatement about what the work uh, the Lord's doing in our worship ministry, uh, particularly with the choir. Can't wait to see more of that uh, in the days ahead. So anyway, all right, I digress. Advent series. There's something about that name. I'm laughing because I seem to sing that song quite a bit in my heart. And there really is something about that name. It's amazing uh, because I want to share with you a little bit about the backstory here. In Isaiah, if you're with me in Isaiah chapter 9, of course the book of Isaiah is used throughout Scripture, and particularly when you get into the New Testament, a lot in uh, Luke and Matthew for sure. Uh, quoting, uh, looking back through through time. I mean, you got to remember, remember, this is probably uh, 700 years before the birth of Christ that these words were penned by Isaiah under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so when we look at these, and we're talking about the wonderful counselor here, we're talking about uh, the messianic prophecies of Isaiah. Isaiah's book has been known for, for, for years as just dripping with messianic prophecy, and we see the fulfillment of that in Christ over and over again. Uh, again, it just amazes me how hundreds of years earlier, God reveals to Isaiah, not just in his moment, day, and time, but even way down the road, the fulfillment of all this messianic prophecy that would come to fruition in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, so when we look at that, I mean, we, we look with amazement. I do, personally. Uh, so if you will, uh, in, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, I'm going to read this one verse to you. Uh, the scripture says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and, they, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Amen. That's right. And so it's just beautiful. I mean, and we look at these words, and we know, looking back in Christ, 
the fulfillment of that in Jesus. And he says, for unto, unto us a child is born. And, and again, uh, scholars would point to that, the humanity of Jesus. He was fully man. But then also it says a son is given. And we know that this son is a son of God and is fully God in the flesh. And so we, when we come to uh, this Advent season, we are in wonder and amazement and literally blown away at the birth of Jesus. This wonderful Savior that is born is not just born of any human origin, but birth from above. I mean, literally God, uh, God uh, came over Mary and God through the Holy Spirit birthed this baby. He is fully God and fully man. This is a biblical teaching. And even Isaiah saw this long time ago. He's a child of born, to, to, speaking to his humanity, but he's also a son that's given. He's given. He's the son of God, uh, speaks to his uh, divinity. So we see this messianic prophecy. And so what I, my intention is over the next several weeks is to kind of look at each of these names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And just kind of gleaning from that, because Christ is the fulfillment of each of these titles. And these are Messianic titles, no doubt about it. But how does that also play into our life today? What does that mean for us? How does that impact us today? Because not only does it fulfill a Messianic prophecy, but also it brings to light the reality of His presence in our life, even so today. He still is the Wonderful Counselor, for sure. So let's look at the definition here, if you're making any notes here. There are two words there. It's really kind of hymned together. Wonderful counselor. Wonderful literally means to separate or to distinguish or to make great. It's applied to, to uh, anything that is great or wonderful as in a sense of a miracle that takes place. So when he talks about him being the wonderful, this miraculous person, and Jesus is that for sure. Then he says, and he ties it with it, the counselor. This name literally in Hebrew denotes one of honorable rank. It's fitting. It's one who would have stood near to a prince or to a king as their advisor. And I can't help but just to look at that. And when we think about uh, him being a counselor and fulfilling that messianic prophecy, how he comes alongside us and that we now are joint heirs with Christ. I mean, we are now a child of the king in a sense royalty. I don't know if you think about that yourself, but here he comes alongside and so this name says much about our Lord, that he is wonderful for sure in so many ways. Good night. But he is also one that gives counsel or advisement, that he gives us wisdom. Uh, if you have, now I, I, I've got several things here. I want to look at several scriptures, and you're just going to hang with me, make some notes. In Luke chapter 4, if you got your Bibles, you can turn there with me. In Luke, in your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. There you go, chapter 4. Because I want you to hear the words of Jesus in light of him being our wonderful counselor. That he, yes, he, he fulfills this, no doubt about it. But I want you to hear his words to us today. Maybe you can hear his counsel, his wonderful counsel for us even so today. So in, we're jumping into Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. This is the first message that Jesus preaches when he comes into his ministry. He unscrolls. <clears throat> or is given the, 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 the book of Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah. And he opens that scroll up, and here's the words that he quotes and preaches and presents. He says in verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach, here it is, good news to the poor. Hear it, hear it through the ears of a counselor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, 
to recover a sight for those that are blind, to release the oppressed or the afflicted, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So hear the Lord's, hear the words of the Lord Himself. He's saying, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. I am that counselor who has come to preach good news, to proclaim freedom, to bring sight back to those who are blind, and to release those that are oppressed. I've come to set them free. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. That's a little further on in your New Testament. I had mine marked because I was ready. I know. It's good to hear y'all turning in pages. Not that the digital Bible's not important. I like. I know some of y'all are <clears throat> in the digital world. In Hebrews chapter 2, again, hear the words. The writer here of Hebrews ref- referencing to our Lord and Savior. Hebrews chapter 2, verse, beginning in verse 14. We're just jumping in here. And, it, and he says here at the beginning of verse 14, he says, Since or therefore the children uh, have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, talking about Christ, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those, all, uh, free those who all their lives were held in slavery by fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. Here it is. And he is able to help those who are being tempted. He was made in every form like us, yet not sin. But, but part of that humanity was so that he could identify with me and you. He could be our counselor. He knows everything about me and you. He knows everything about being human. God, turn with me in, in, in chapter 4 of Hebrews. Again, in chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Talking about Jesus as our high priest. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. So here it is. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, children of God. So that we may, what, receive mercy and find grace to help us in what? Our time of need. The wonderful counselor. Go back with me to John. The Gospel of John. Again, Jesus declaring in John 15. In John chapter 15, hear the words of your wonderful counselor. Listen to this through that lens, if you can, if you will, this morning. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He can help you in your time of need. He can meet every need. He knows exactly where you are. Listen to the words of Christ here in John 15, beginning in verse 5. He said, I am the vine. And you're the branch. I, I, again, at the very beginning of this statement, he says, if you want to find nourishment, if you want to find life, if you want to find everything, your source of sustenance, it's in me. That's what he's saying. I'm the vine. I'm the one that brings that. He goes on to say, if a man remains in me and, and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Evidence in your life. But he says, he goes on, apart from me, you can do nothing. I would stop here just a moment and just say to you again. And you say, yeah, Jay, it sounds like you say it a lot. I do. I really believe that everything in life hinges on a personal, intimate love relationship with your Heavenly Father. There is no other way to live life. He is the source of life. 
Outside of Him, you might find good things to do. But friend, listen to me. You want to know life and sustenance in, in an intimate way? It's in Christ alone. And yes, I don't make that statement. I am. He made the statement. He said, I'm the vine. I'm the place of nourishment. You need help? You need counsel? Come to me. That's what He's saying to us today. He makes this declaration. Apart from me, you can, you're not going to be able to do anything. And you're certainly not going to find sustenance for life. He goes on in verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. There's, there's this intimacy in our prayer and personal intimacy with him. He said in verse 8, It's for the Father's glory that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. Again, the fa- in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in that love as I have obeyed the Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this. Here's the counsel. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Hear the words of the Lord. I mean, this is Jesus, our wonderful counselor, giving us great wisdom and and, and not just advice, but instruction on living life. It goes on in John 14, 6. If it doesn't get any clearer... Jesus answered them in John 14, 6, I am the way. The emphasis there. I am the truth. I am the life. There's no other way. Jesus, our wonderful counselor, he is our wonderful counselor. He's here to lead us, guide us, direct us in the way, the truth, and the life like nothing else and no one else ever will. So this leads me to my third point here in reference to that we, we I hope you acknowledge that I certainly acknowledge that today Lord Jesus you are a wonderful counselor but the good news he doesn't look at us he doesn't want us to look at that from afar but now through the Holy Spirit God has made known and made himself known to every child of God here today you don't have to go to your brother and say, hey, what do I need to do? You can go to Jesus himself. You can call upon his name. You can personally ask of him and turn to him personally. I want you to see this in John chapter 14, if you're already there. The Holy Spirit is our wonderful counselor. That's the word here. Look with me in John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you'll obey my commands, what I command, and ask And I will ask the Father in verse 16, and He will give you another, here it is, counselor, comforter. The the, the Greek is paraclete. It means one that comes alongside. Go back to the context in Isaiah. The advisor, the one that comes alongside the prince and gives wisdom and advisement. He says, I'm not going to leave. In fact, he goes on to say, this counselor is going to be with you forever. Ever. The spirit of truth, he calls him. The world cannot accept him. That's the truth. Because it neither knows him or, or even it never sees him or even knows him. But you know him. That word know is critical here in this context. It means an intimate, personal, relational knowing. It's not some just theory or some uh, mental assent to some knowledge. It means to be intimately engaged in this experiential knowing of him. He goes on to illustrate it. But you know him for why? He lives with you and will be in you. Wow, what a, what a statement. The Holy Spirit is our wonderful counselor. He goes on, he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm going to come to you. Verse 19, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will. 
Because I live, you also will live. Now, he's making a statement. He's talking about right now, right here. Listen, eternal life doesn't begin later. It begins now and goes on forever. He says, you're going you're gonna to know me. You're going to live. He says, on that day, you'll realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Oh, my goodness. The Holy Spirit of God is our wonderful kind. You see the progression here. You see Jesus fulfills that messianic title. He takes that place, occupies that. He embraces that. He personifies that. Yes, he died. Yes, he rose again. Yes, he ascended on high. Why? So that the Holy Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, will now come upon every child of God. Jesus, listen, Jesus had to go, so we now, every child of God, every child. It's amazing. I know it's a mystery that just blows our mind. Christ in us, the hope of glory. It blows my mind. It blew Paul's mind. I mean, it blew the whole world up in the first century. How in the world can a holy God take up residence in unholy people? Good night. You know why? Because Jesus died on the cross for us. It was His blood that was shed that saved every soul, that, that provided a way for us to know Him. In fact, in this passage, you see here the Holy Spirit's our wonderful counselor. He's referenced as the Spirit of Truth. This is a big deal when it comes into the counseling world. You want to know the truth. Why is it important for me and you to know the truth? Knowing the truth sets us free. Sets us free. What do you mean? Free to live? Yes, for sure. My little headdress, it's all caught up in this jacket. But we're also free to experience the personal presence of God in our lives. This was something so foreign to the Hebrew people. So foreign to the Gentiles that did not know Christ. But now, through Christ and Christ alone, this intimate, personal knowing the presence of Almighty God in our lives is made way through the finished work on the cross. Every child of God. This is not unusual, not just for some preachers, not for some people that lead worship. I mean, for every child of God here today. Every child of God. You can know Him personally in the power of His resurrection. You can walk with Him, as that holy hymn writer said. You can talk with Him along life's merry way. Friend, I remember after getting saved, I keep going back to that in my personal life. No one had to tell me, you need to start talking to Jesus. When Mr. Bearden shared the gospel with me on that day, he said, you can know Him personally. You can have a relationship with Christ. So when I confessed Christ, turned my life to Christ, I, I believed, I believed in Him. That he take a, I didn't understand it all that. I did not. But what I did know is that he stepped into my life, changed my life, and all of a sudden I began to have this conversation. Personal encounter, presence with the Almighty God. This is the beautiful thing of the wonderful counsel of the Holy Spirit. He brings that to life in us. He allows us and enables us to know him personally. Even in this passage, he goes on to say, Whoever has my commands in verse 21 and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. One of the beautiful things the Holy Spirit of God, our wonderful counselor, does is, is it brings us into the knowing or the understanding, the experience of this incredible love of God that will radically change our lives. Uh, Paul goes on to pray in, in Ephesians chapter 3 to be rooted and established in this love. 
Why? Because it's His love for us that enables me and you to be strong and secure. Everything else in this world comes and goes, but the perfect, true love of God is constant and stable, and we can build our lives upon that. That it's His love made manifest in our hearts that enables us to stand firm, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, to live our lives in such a way that we declare to this world, you know, there's one that really loves you and cares about you, and there's a, there's a God who is personal and wants to know you personally. Holy Spirit does such a great work of bringing the office of that counselor into our lives personally. To God be the glory. So here we are, church. I mean, it's just a beautiful messianic title. If we just ended with that, it would be a shame. Jesus died. He, he came and lived out that vocation, that title. But He came and died so that we might be able to draw near to God, as the writer of Hebrews says, with full assurance and sincerity in our heart before Him. But here's the thing. Uh, Ty Green writes a statement about this, talking about being drawing near to the Lord. It's this kind of relationship with God that He's provided for us. But he makes a statement. He says, but few Christians ever enjoy that. And I can't help but kind of grip my attention. What do you mean few Christians ever enjoy this intimacy, this personal assurance of God in their life? And he goes on to say, and you can just kind of hear this with me, he says, many of us really only feel safe with God only when we can keep Him at an emotional distance. He says, we dress ourselves up in a pose of piety. Well, that's a fancy way of saying we dress up ourselves religiousness. That's a horrible word right there, Joshua. Don't quote that. I don't even know if it's a word. But I will say this, I certainly understand what it means to dress myself up in a pose of piety. I actually dressed up a little bit for y'all today, I don't know if y'all noticed. Not really for that purpose, I just don't plan that far ahead. I just put it on, which was a mistake because it's caught up in my headdress at this point, pulling on the back of my head the whole time. Stay with me, I digress. He goes on to say that we, uh, we dress ourselves in this pose of piety, this religiousness, because we just cannot approach Him as an unclean sinner. We frame our prayers and requests that are purely spiritual and a spiritual agenda because certainly He's not concerned about our personal needs of my heart. Although he sees right through us, the Lord does. We still don't want to appear vulnerable. Vulnerable. That's a fancy word meaning honest and transparent. For whatever reason, it seems that we have been deceived in one sense to live this lie that we can't know God in this personal assurance, the fullness of that, the, the love that surpasses knowledge. And so we choose to put on this air of religiousness that we walk around in, and God help us, deliver us from that, set us free, because that's not the life Jesus came to give. The curtain was torn from the top down, because why? Now you can with full assurance come unto Him and draw near to Him. 
The wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit of God's trying to help us, church, to come near to the Lord, to be intimate with the Lord, to experience His grace and His mercy, yes, but His love that surpasses knowledge. Why? Why is that so critical? Because as God's people are secure in Christ, then they'll do whatever He asks them to do and go wherever He asks them to go. See, we have an enemy that understands that, so he'll try to deceive all day long. He'll get you to think, oh, no, 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 just sit in the chair and do your little thing, punch your little buttons, and we're all good. But the wonderful counselor won't let that happen, will he? If you know Christ, if you know, if you know the Holy Spirit of God in your life, he won't let you. He won't let you digress to a place of just sitting around and being religious enough just to punch some buttons or fill some little checklist. No, no, no. He is way more personal than that, isn't he? In just a moment, I'm going to ask you, whoever wants to, to pray a really courageous prayer. Quite honestly, it's found back in your Bible, in the Psalms. And let me just share it with you before I ask you to pray it, because you need to know what you're praying. I don't want to just spring it on you at the last moment, you know. Like, Lord, I'm just going to do what the pastor says. I'm not sure what I'm praying at this point. But it's a, it's a very courageous prayer, very Bold prayer. God, will you search me and know my heart? Will you try me, Lord? Will you test me? Would you bring to my awareness any anxious thoughts that I have? Would you reveal to me if there's any hurtful way in me? And God, would you lead me in the way that's everlasting? When I say that's a courageous prayer, that's a strong prayer. Because, friend, when you ask the Holy Spirit of God to search you, to test you, to know you for real, sincerely, He will. He will identify exactly the areas of our life that are not honoring to the Lord. And He will bring conviction, not to make you feel bad, but to get you to a place where you'll confess. Turn to the Lord. Trust in Him. Submit to Him. Be honest with him. I go back to what Ty Green said. Sometimes we just, we just choose to stay in that pose of piety because we're unwilling to be vulnerable. Now, I will tell you, it's good to go get counseling. And I mean that sincerely. If you need it, there's some wonderful counselors called by the Lord to help you. But we do have a Holy Spirit who is a counselor that can help us. But here's one thing I'll tell you about counseling. You have the greatest counseling in the world, but you know what? If you don't listen, it don't mean you need a hill of beans. If you're not willing to receive it, it's of no good for you. You can hear the greatest counseling in the world from the greatest counselor ever known, and if you're not willing to humble yourself before what you're being told, then it's of no use to you. God, don't let us be that way. So here's where I'm Wanting to lead to. Is there anyone here willing to be so bold and honest and vulnerable to acknowledge this morning that you're in great need of the work of the Holy Spirit of God in your life? Is there anyone here so courageous to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to search your heart? To know your heart. To bring that knowledge to you. He knows your heart already. It's not like he's 
discovering something new. The intent here is that God bring it to my awareness. Now, the word try me is an interesting word. It means to test. It means that God would allow heat to come into your life, pressure to reveal the real you to yourself. Any anxiety or stressful thoughts, anything harmful or hurtful in your walk today in your life with Christ, the heat of the Holy Spirit brings that to light. For what reason? For you to confess, turn away from that, and say, Lord, lead me in this everlasting way. Lead me in the way that of eternal value. Lead me in the way that's honoring and glorifying to you. So I just ask you right now, church, I'm, I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask you again. If you're here today, and you know this is your heart's desire, and you know that God is speaking to your heart right now. You're a Christian. You love the Lord. But you know there's a gap in your life. And you need God, the Holy Spirit, to bring the heat, the searching, the revelation to you. So you can confess, turn away, and turn to Him. And walk in a way that's honoring to Him. So... Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're here today and that's your heart's desire. And you want to pray this with me. I'm just going to ask you to stand with your feet. And we're just going to pray this together unto the Lord. Asking God to do what only he can do in our life right now. So if you'll just stand to your feet. If, if, you, if this is you right here. Just stand up. So if you will, bow your heads for a word of prayer. And right now, we just come to the Lord in prayer and we declare, God, you are our wonderful counselor. Jesus, you died and rose again so that we might have life now and forevermore. We acknowledge, Holy Spirit, God, you are our holy comforter, counselor in our lives right now. So if you're here today and it's your heart's desire, then just, just pray with me. Say, Lord, search me. Lord, make known to me my heart. Lord, would you test me and try me? Lord, will you reveal to me any anxious thoughts? Lord, would you help me to understand if there's any hurtful way in me? God, make it known to me. And Lord, I come before you and plead the blood of Jesus right now. God, I'm trusting in you and you alone. I believe, Father, that you alone are life and you give me life. I'm asking that you would lead me into all truth. Show me the way to live. Show me how to think that is honorable to you, Father. God, fill me. Fill me with your presence till it's overflowing. Make me aware that you're with me every step of the way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, we're going to sing a song.
of response. Friend, if you're here today, you need to make public a profession of faith. Follow through believer's baptism. We invite you to come. If you know today, right now, right here, this is where God's calling me. This is where we're going to make our church home. God's moving on my heart. Then you come. Make that public. We have Membership Matters class next Sunday. You can jump right in on that class next Sunday morning at 9.15. But come, make that public. Friend, you might just need to do business with the Lord. Whatever it is, we're going to sing this unto the Lord. I'll be here. You be obedient to the Lord this morning. worth more than will ever come close. Nothing can come.